Next on BYU Sports Nation, a gale force challenge for BYU basketball. Which player will have the greatest impact on tomorrow night's contest? The second greatest BYU athlete from Eagle, Idaho, Braden Shaw, is in studio, plus Robbie Bosco as we continue to remember Lavelle Edwards. And Mackenzie Pulsifer of BYU Women's Hoops, why the WCC race is a wide open one and the latest, greatest Juddyism. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. What is up, BYU Sports Nation Live and Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Wednesday, January 4th, wherever. However, you are dialed in. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with bowl game ranker Jerem Jordan. Uh, no. Oh, you'd say the Rose Bowl is number one, though, right? Rose Bowl was awesome. Yeah, I I would say, yeah, no defense. You know, defense was left with the security checks. What about the R&L Carriers Bowl, Jerem? Oh, man, can you believe that one? (laughs) That third quarter was crazy. Or the Boca Raton Bowl. Or the... Buffalo wings, whatever. <laughs> I was just like, oh, buffalo, wild wings. Mm. I'm hungry. <laughs> it's the, effective then, right? The Bahamas Bowl. I want BYU in the Bahamas Bowl so bad. Yes. Yeah. BYU is going to the Hawaii Bowl in 2019, which by, is great. By the way, Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports ranked it's funny. all 40 games. Yes, very clever. Ranked all witty 40 writing. games. Watched I've and got ranked. nothing to do. Except watch college football, <laughs> apparently, during bowl season. He ranked all 40 Games. Wow. And the Poinsettia Bowl came in at number 11. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's the top 30%. It mattereth not, but it's pretty good. He also said there is a law that BYU can only be involved in close games and that he is thankful for that law. Yeah, outside of November. <laughs> and every other month. That was pretty crazy, right? BYU up 24-7. to 7. You think, hey, maybe it'll be a decisive victory. Nope. The theme of the season was it has to be dramatic and close. Well, think about it. I preferred that that game came down to the wire. It was fun. Because then we have this kind of cool moment. If it's 24-7, it's not the same, right? By the way, I saw someone the other day had Josh Allen as the third pick in the NFL draft. Wyoming's quarterback. Wyoming's quarterback. I was like, are you crazy? He wasn't even the third best player in that game, let alone college football. I know he's got some serious... NFL consideration. Sure. 6'5", can sling it. But I was like, third pick? Are you serious right now? Third pick overall? I picked the wrong profession. Jeez. Mm. Well, there you go. Yeah, he wasn't even listed uh, by Sports Illustrated as the main player to watch. Uh, Yeah, that's because the Jamal Jamal offense was legit. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines as we transition back to BYU men's basketball. They play tomorrow against top 20 nationally ranked St. Mary's tip off at 11 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. Listen to it live on BYU radio. I don't know if um, there's any way that you can perfectly prepare for for hostility in a gym. I mean, we're practicing in the annex to get that feel of a smaller gym, uh, which I think is is definitely going to um, be important for us. And then I think. You know, it's just going to have to be a mindset that, that turns on right from the get-go. Eric Mika talking about playing in Moraga at St. Mary's. This will be the first hostile crowd that a lot of these young guys play in. I mean, they played a road game at LMU, but it was 
majority BYU fans. This will be very different. St. Mary's will have their crowd in full force out to watch this game. Sophomore guard Elijah Bryant participated in full practice yesterday, by the way. Dave Rose says he's getting closer. Elijah has practiced uh, two days in a row now. He, we, he didn't practice all practice yesterday. We pulled him out about halfway. And then this morning felt good, went through all the protocol, and actually practiced the whole practice today. So we'll see how he feels tomorrow and then talk about, uh, you know, the next thing is after, you know, another two or three practices, we'll talk about when it's time for him to start playing in a game, if, it, if everything progresses right. But he's getting closer, a lot closer. Yeah, there's always an empty chair for Elijah Bryant. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Man, how about BYU? That was a religious joke. Not being able to, uh, I know. Not hey. being able to uh, <laughs> rely on him as much as they wanted to early in the season. It's, yeah, that's, it's changed things. It's changed the storyline of the season for sure. That's one of those variables that you don't see coming, right? You thought it was a constant, but it wasn't. Elijah Bryant was supposed to be the starting point guard. So it looks like next week they'll have a couple more practices and then they'll see when they want to start playing him. I say BYU brought him back too early, obviously, right? He got hurt and he's been out and, and they were trying to get him in, but unfortunately... Uh, he, he played a little too early because this is a good player that could help BYU maybe just in the second half of conference play. We'll see when he gets going. Yeah, he, he wanted to get back and, you know, make no doubt about it. Like, he, he told the coaches, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, and, and that's what you want is a guy that wants to play. The reason that BYU has little to no bench production is because Elijah Bryant's hurt. If Elijah Bryant is playing, he's either coming off the bench and being a contributor or a guy like L.J. Rose is coming off the bench and contributing in that way instead of having to start. Speaking of BYU and St. Mary's, the women's team will host the Gales tomorrow night. You can watch that game live on BYU TV. In fact, watch that one right before you flip over to ESPNU to watch the men take on the Gales. And this is an important game for BYU. 1-1 one one in conference against 2-0 St. Mary's. The WCC is wide open because Gonzaga, the preseason favorite, has dropped their first two conference games. So it's Can the men do that? anybody's contest, and BYU needs to take advantage. They need to hold home court serve against a pretty good St. Mary's team. And the Baltimore Ravens tweeted out this morning they've signed former BYU cornerback Robertson Daniel to a reserve-slash-future contract. So four Baltimore Ravens are... Former BYU Cougars. Yeah, Dennis Pitta, Bronson Kafusi, DeAndre Wesley, and now Robertson Daniel. There you go. So congrats to uh, Robertson Daniel. Ravens Rob- didn't make the playoffs, but now Daniel in a position to hang with them in the offseason. Yeah, good for him. He's worked hard. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Gale Force Challenge. How do you feel about that one, Jerem? It's all right. <laughs> Not as good as LM Few. No, that was really good. BYU St. Mary's tomorrow night. How in the world does BYU get it done in Moraga against a top 20 team in college basketball that has only lost one game? They are loaded. They brought everybody back. And here come the young, confident Cougars because of what they did against the Lions. Better yet, who does BYU need to show up more than any other to have a shot on the road? Jerem, the Twitter question, please. Which BYU player will have the greatest impact on the outcome of the game? At St. Mary's. Use the hashtag BYUSN. At LaserSheep. Yoli Childs. They're going to focus on Mika, so if Yoli can get something going, the one-two punch will spell doom. Okay. Who do you have, Jerem? Who's the guy that you feel like has to show up and be the Y factor, if you will, or the X factor? 
for BYU to win tomorrow night. I don't want to overlook the obvious. I think it's Eric Mika. And here's why. In a lot of these big games, foul trouble can change the game. No question. And we know our friends with the WCC officials can swing a game. Do not underestimate their power. Eric Mika is a 20-9 and guy right now. He is BYU's best player. The offense revolves around Eric Mika. So I, I think it's up to Eric Mika. If he can do his thing in the middle, that will not only give you 20 points in theory, but also open up these guards. And I think defensively, Eric Mika needs to have a nice game. Got to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, and, he, and he's got to put it together. The, Eric Mika won at St. Mary's as a freshman. So there's some confidence on his end to go in there. And the matchup with Jock Landale of St. Mary's is the one to watch. Jock's a 19-9 and nine guy himself. So that's going to be uh, the, the main impact player for me, Eric Mika. Maybe BYU needs the Luke Worthington principle that they implemented a couple of years ago, and they just throw Corbin Kafusi or Peyton Dasherpin to start to the game start. to get two quick fouls out of the way, and then Eric Mika comes off the bench. That'd help your bench production. Yeah, we're not, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Eric Mika's not a starter. You remember that? That was crazy. I I don't think we're to that point, but at some point, you, that, that was Dave Rose's best coaching. Job. It was brilliant. It was so smart. That was a brilliant move by Dave Rose. Okay, I think that the player that will have the greatest impact on the outcome of tomorrow night's game is T.J. Haas for a couple of reasons. One, his ability to create shots for teammates like Eric Mika and Yoli Childs inside. But not only that, when he can dribble and penetrate and create things in the paint, it opens up guys for high-quality three-point shots. And that has played a role in BYU's current four-game win streak. They have improved the three-point shot because they're taking better shots because they're more open, and it all starts with the ability to move the ball, and TJ Haas does so off the dribble. Then there is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. TJ Haas is shooting 37% from the field in BYU losses and 48% in wins. Let's take that a step further, Jerem. In the four losses, TJ is shooting a combined 20% from the three-point line, and in the wins, 47%. Well then. When TJ Haas... Is 3J Haas. Shoots the ball well, then the Cougars have a great shot Mm -hmm. to win the basketball game. Interesting. I feel like he is the Y factor as TJ, because Eric is consistent. He's consistently awesome. But if TJ can elevate his game like he has over the past four, I think BYU has a great shot. Let me give you another name. Nick Emery. Nick Emery did a fantastic job on Jared uh, Brownridge against oh, man. Santa Clara. Defensively, he was awesome. St. Mary's has some really good guards, and they're not, they're not going to score a ton. Like the top two guards, Emmett Nahr Joe and uh, Joe Rahan, they averaged 24 combined, so not a crazy number, right? But Nick Emery defensively needs to have a big game, and he's got to make shots like he did at LMU as well. The guard matchup is a really, really big one as well because Calvin Her- Hermanson, the other wing, He's a guy that can fill it up, uh, you know, 12 a game right now. He's a goggles guy. He's, hey, hey, he loves him some racquetball, okay? He's the racquetball dude that can yeah. shoot the three. Yeah. The guard, the guard matchup is interesting, too. I'm with you on TJ. I think he needs to have a big game. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. Which BYU player will have the greatest impact on the outcome of the game at St. Mary's? Let's go to the Twitter machine. 
Chet Ruger says, just because it's the easy answer doesn't mean it's not right. Jerem Jordan's approach. And he says, Eric Mika. Yeah. Eric, yeah, Eric Mika, man. He, he needs to have a big game. I feel like he will do his thing. He'll have yeah. 18 or 20 and 10 what, rebounds. But what if he has 30? You know what I mean? Like, now he could have a huge sway in this game. Or even 25. But it's not so much his scoring. It's his willing passer mindset that changed the, changes the offense for BYU. And how does Eric score those points? Is it from the free throw line because it's a physical battle inside? Because if he's making some layups, it's probably because BYU is getting penetration and making some threes outside so it opens up the floor. You're always penetrating the ball more through the pass than the dribble this season, by the way. Coming up, we'll talk to sophomore forward Braden Shaw, who has enjoyed an increased role on this team about the game. Plus, Robbie Bosco, the national champion quarterback, joins us to talk about his former coach, Lavelle Edwards. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Our conversation is jumping right now. Check it out on Twitter, at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN to answer the following question. Which BYU basketball player will have the greatest impact on the outcome of tomorrow's game at St. Mary's? Hey, coming up Friday, normally our uh, 6 p.m. Eastern uh, show is a rebroadcast. Uh, we will be live Friday at noon and 6 Eastern. The 6 Eastern will be a special, uh, BYU Sports Station special, celebrating the life of Lavelle Edwards. So stay tuned for that Friday uh, afternoon or evening, depending on where you live. Our first guest today in studio, national champion quarterback at BYU, Robbie Bosco. Generally, What's we up, introduce Robbie? Blaine Fowler as that way. But, but it's, it's nice we, to have, have Robbie Bosco. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's good to be here. It's good to be with you guys. Well, we're happy to have you, and, and uh, we're remembering Lavelle for obvious reasons because of uh, his legacy, and it's been fun to see the different billboards and signs and tweets and emails and all of these things coming in uh, to show appreciation for Coach Edwards. What kind of an impact did he have on you in your life, Robbie? Oh, it's amazing. You know, when I came here as a freshman, I was kind of like a homebody, so I I didn't really want to go away to school. I wanted to kind of stay close so my parents could always be there and I could be close to, to go home every once in a while. And um, once Lavelle came to my house on that recruiting visit, you know, I knew this was a place I wanted to be just because of his, the way he was, his demeanor, the way he was around my parents, the way he treated me. And uh, he seemed a little unusual. He didn't seem like one of those crazy rah-rah coaches. And he had a little bit of family values in them that uh, I just loved. And then once I got here, there were times where I wanted to go home. Uh, there were times where I didn't think this was the right place for me, but he, um, he just kind of had that magic about him that knew that you were going to be somebody and be something that to be proud of. His uh, stoic nature on the sideline is famous, right? But he was incredibly personable, kind of away from that situation. Give us an idea of kind of his demeanor uh, when, say, he recruited you. Well, I, I can remember one time he came into my house, and we had one of those uh, pedal bikes that you'd go. And nowadays, you can pedal as fast as you want and then kind of stop your feet and the wheel keep going. Well, this one was so old that once you got it going, the pedals only stopped when the bike stopped. <laughs> so he got, for I don't know what reason why he did, though, but he got on that bike and was pedaling as fast as he could. 
And then all of a sudden, bam, his legs go straight sideways because he couldn't stop it. And that, he had to stay up there for five more minutes because that pedal just kept going and going and going. And, you know, it always used to bug me when people used to talk about that stoic, his arms folded, didn't do much on the sidelines because he did so much for the players and for the coaching staff and and for everybody that uh, his personality is, is much better than that. I've been on some cruises with him. And he was always the, the kind of the big show. He could put like 10 to 12 spoons on his face. <laughs> and he would just sit there and he'd have all these spoons on his face. The what way, in the world? The way his cheeks were kind of soft and pudgy, <laughs> he could just put them on there and they would just stick to him. I've never seen anybody else do that. He was amazing. <laughs> Stupid human tricks with Lavelle Edwards. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy and I have been jealous of all the people that have said, we went on vacation with Lavelle. It's like, oh, man, that would be fantastic to go on vacation uh, with the those, great coach. Those were famous, and they were like quarterback cruises, right? Yeah, stuff. yeah, quarterback cruises. And uh, we probably went on about three or four in a row, and it kind of faded away. But those are some of the great memories, you know, going, doing, going on vacation with them where it's totally relaxing. Don't even talk about football, hardly. And uh, those are just a lot of fun. What has uh, been your reaction to the overwhelming response that Lavelle has received after the news of his passing? What have you observed uh, among your teammates and colleagues and coaches and all of that? Well, one of the things we have, I have a, um, I have a little, the former athletes, I have a lot of emails that I send out and do we do periodically, we do some things. And we have reunions and guys come to games and stuff like that, but it's not that you know, big a response. And so I sent out um, kind of the outlay of what's going to happen this weekend. So Friday at 6, we're going to have the memorial. Then at 8 o'clock, we're going to have the player reunion. And we are up to 400 people. Whoa. And those are the only ones that they get the emails from me. There's many out there that don't. So we're trying to – the venue is the Cougar Room which right now is, feels like it's going to be shoulder to shoulder. And so it's the, the, the response is unbelievable. And those that can't make it are saying, please tell them that we could, we'd love to be there, but we can't. So he, um, we have players that want to be there that he wasn't even their coach. But just, the, um, just what he meant to everybody, what he meant to the school, is people want to be a part of it. This is a loaded question, but uh, what are some of your favorite memories from playing for Lavelle Edwards? Um, you know, there's a couple stories. One, we were, if you can remember uh, Ty Detmers, I can't remember what year it was, we were playing Texas A&M in the Holiday Bowl, uh-huh. where they were just killing us. Yeah. They were up by 40, and then late in the fourth quarter, double reverse passes. And uh, first time I've ever seen Lavelle go after somebody. He was mad. He ran across that field and laid into that head coach. R.C. Slocum. It wasn't Slocum. It used to be the coach. I think that coach went on to coach UCLA. Oh. I can't remember his name right now. And so, you know, every once in a while, that love just grows more and more uh, for a coach when when you see that kind of stuff. Because it was kind of a – it just was kind of a classless thing that they did. And – so that was, that was one of the things that, I guess it wasn't a great thing, but it was kind of a fun thing for the players to see him to be like that. Um, the other things are just, you know, I have so many of them that are, they're hard to imagine, but he was, uh, 
I remember the first game I played against University of Pittsburgh of that magical 84 season, and my first three passes were horrendous. I mean, it was like, do I really belong out here? They were that <laughs> bad of throws. And as I was walking off the sideline, my head kind of hung down. I see Lavelle starting to walk towards me. I'm like, I've never seen a coach come out on the field to tell a guy to, you're done. You can't play. And so we met together. I'm like, oh, here we go. But he put his arm around me, and he told me, hey, you, we, we've seen what you can do. Don't worry about what's happened. Go out there and play, and we know you can do it. We have total confidence in you. And just that alone made me feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go out there and get it done. So he had that kind of, um, he had that thing about him that he, each individual person, he knew how to trigger and he, he knew how to motivate. And that's kind of what was special about him. Meanwhile, Blaine Fowler is over your shoulder like, are you sure, coach? Because my right <laughs> arm is feeling great right now. Yeah, I'm feeling good right Did now. you see Let's that go. pass, Kozlowski? <laughs> Robbie Bosco with us on BYU Sports Nation, uh, commemorating and celebrating the life of Lavelle Edwards. I love that story. Uh, I've heard you tell that story before uh, from Pittsburgh. But I really appreciate uh, the story from the Texas A&M game because I didn't know that. Um, and it's, it's great to see and hear about Lavelle Edwards sticking up for his team. And Ty Detmer separated both of his shoulders in that game. And so, yeah, that uh, it just makes you love him all the more. It's hard to put into context what he meant to everyone off the field, but I've heard synonymous memories from several different players about Lavelle being able to see a better version of myself than even I could. And um, him being able to make me feel better about hopeless situations. Um, How did he impact your life that way off of the field? I think he impacted my, my life as he did many others. Um, we had, there were a lot of situations that kids could have got kicked off the team. The kids could have got um, kicked out of BYU for whatever reason. But he saw something more in them. And he told me many times, I, I'm not so concerned about how my former players played. I love seeing what they did with their life afterwards. And he had that special feeling in him that he could see that these guys are going to be great people. It's not about throwing touchdowns and running touchdowns and making tackles. It's about what are they going to do after their life. And so he worked with all of his players. If they, you've heard McMahon talk about all the times that he was in his office, and they kind of jest about it. But he knew McMahon was going to be a great person and a great player, not only a great player, but a great person after his football career. And Jim really has turned out about that. He's got a great heart, and and you can see that in him when you're around him. And Lavelle could feel that. It wasn't about we need Jim to win championships, but we need Jim to be here so he can be a better person. Mm. Mike Gempy told us when he interacted as a coach with Lavelle Edwards, he he loved it because – Shirley would have this yellow notepad, and there would be 10 to 15 minutes worth of agenda items. And then the next 45 minutes of the staff meeting at 8 were just stories. <laughs> as, as a longtime coach with BYU, what kind of interaction and, and fun stories do you have from him? Um, you know, Lavelle always, he was always quick-witted. Some of, my, some of my favorite stories is interviews with him. You go in there and you sit in his chair, which was a football chair. It was a football helmet, and you sat in that chair. Where, where are, where'd those go? Those are... It's actually in his backyard. 
Really? That, that chair is in his backyard. <laughs> so we need to bring that out. We need to put that in studio. Oh, that would be awesome. My that would be great to have. That's a relic. But his interviews were not normal. He would be interviewing you while reading the newspaper. <laughs> and he would be reading that newspaper in conversation. And then when he was done doing that, he'd bend down and start shining his shoes. Then he'd take his key and he'd start picking wax out of his ear. <laughs> I mean, he did this. You could talk to multiple players, and they would tell you these same stories. But he would, he would just do these, and it was as if he was your best friend. He knew exactly the conversation, what was going on, and um, it, it was just fun to be around. Uh, he, um, he created a lot of great coaches. There were a lot of great coaches that moved on to be head coaches at other places um, that were just tremendous people. And then he was friends with everybody. I guess my favorite stories of all time, I think people kind of took him for granted here. And, you know, he was great and everything. But when I went, on, when I went places with him out of state, it was get out of his way. Here comes the Beatles. He's a rock star. He was a rock star. I, I, I was almost shocked at the people that waited in line to be able just to be around Lavelle Edwards. And these were famous people now. These were big-time people, big-time coaches and fans, and they just revered him. And he meant a lot, you know, to the whole country, really. Man, the sign of a great leader is the ability to uh, take every individual and coach them how they need to be coached, and not just at football but in life. And, uh, again, that's another one of those stories that you share and things that you said that have been said by Steve Young and Ty Detmer and Tom Homo and Trevor Maddich, and the list goes on. What do you uh, anticipate his funeral service will be like? Uh, I hope it's a happy one and I think it will be, um, you know, the one thing that is very interesting about his, uh, his, his funeral and the memorial and everything that's going to go on is that he, his wife will be there. And when you talk about Lavelle Edwards, you talk about Patty Edwards. And uh, I think it'll be a very emotional thing because I think it, it's it's gone it's gone further beyond what we what we know him as. My son served in our, uh, served a mission in Argentina, and Colton Cronister was a companion of his. And Colton's father, Mike Cronister, played football as a wide receiver. I think it was a few years before me. And they would often spend when they were companions. They would often tell stories about, we're here, we're possibly here because of, the, the, uh, of what Lavelle did to our dads. Wow. And Mike, Con- Mike Cronister had kind of a rough time here. And, and Lavelle worked with Mike a lot of years and talking to him. And, 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 and it wasn't so much talking about the gospel. It was just being a friend. And being a good example. And that's what Lavelle was more than anybody was a good example. So when they're in Argentina, walking the roads, walking the streets of Argentina, talking about Lavelle Edwards, this is a generation past all of us. And I imagine, and I can envision, the next generation that our kids are going to have will be talking about Lavelle Edwards and the impact that he had on their dads, on their grandpas, and, and onward. 
Generations upon generations, right? That uh, the type of impact that Lavelle Edwards is having right now and uh, has had in the past. Robbie, we uh, we thank you for the time. This has been uh, a lot of fun and uh, very enjoyable for us to reflect on that. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. It's great to be here. Always fun to talk about Lavelle. Robbie Bosco, national champion quarterback, remembering Lavelle Edwards. Uh, his funeral services set for Friday. Coming up. We'll move back to basketball as Braden Shaw, sophomore forward of the BYU men's team, joins us in studio. How does he feel like the Cougars match up against the Gales of St. Mary's, the top 20 team? Portions of BYU Sports Nation brought to you in part by Brady Industries, clean solutions, a tradition for generations. Welcome back, sports friends, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan and Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. Hey, coming up uh, tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern time, so get a nap uh, there if you're on the East Coast. ESPNU, BYU Radio, it's Cougars at St. Mary's. Big game for Brigham. Man, an opportunity for a resume win. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And on the road, man. And it's against St. Mary's. I mean. It's against the Fighting Della Vadovas. Let's go. Absolutely. Sophomore guard Elijah Bryant participated in a full practice yesterday. Dave Rose says Eli is getting closer. Elijah has practiced uh, two days in a row now. He, He didn't practice all practice yesterday. We pulled him out about halfway. And then this morning felt good, went through all the protocol, and actually practiced the whole practice today. So we'll see how he feels tomorrow, and then talk about uh, you know the next thing is after you know another two or three practices, we'll talk about when it's time for him to start playing in a game if it, if everything progresses right. But he's getting closer, a lot closer. That is fantastic news, BYU uh, can use Eli Bryant and uh, the versatility he brings to the floor. Dave Rose sounds like Forrest Whitaker's character from Rogue One. Anyone else hear that in his voice? I, I just uh, noticed it. Lies! Deceptions! <laughs> <laughs> hey, the women's basketball team plays St. Mary's tomorrow night as well. 9 Eastern time on BYU TV. Senior guard uh, Mackenzie Pulsford will join us coming up in a little bit. <laughs> yes, please somebody out there, if you agree with Jerem Jordan. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear if anybody agrees with Jerem right there. There'll be somebody. Laser Sheep will have my back. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Forrest Whitaker slash Dave Rose, he said this about our next guest. He knows our stuff. He knows all of our offensive calls. He knows our defensive calls. Very seldom is he out of position. And then he is a great second-chance guy, really good offensive rebounder, ability to, to, to give you another possession on a miss or uh, you know uh, grabbing a loose ball or a 50-50 ball. His ability to kind of fit with the other four guys, whoever they are, uh, allows him to stay out there. Wow. Dave Rose on Braden Shaw representing Eagle, Idaho. Braden, welcome to Studio B. What do you think about uh, when you hear your coach compliment you that way? That's fun to hear. It's good to hear. Um, And it's just like you said, it's a chance to get out there and play. So it's it's fun to hear him say that. When you are given a greater opportunity – uh, like you were in the in the Utah State game because of foul trouble. Um, Nick Emery told me after the game, like, braden has been doing that in practice every day, so don't be surprised. Um, what are you feeling when you head into the game like that? I think you just always have to be ready. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, injuries, obviously, this year. Foul trouble, game-by-game basis. We never really know what's going to happen, and so you just you show up every game expecting to get in, and once you get in, you do everything you can. So, 
Big game with St. Mary's coming up uh, tomorrow. What's practice been like this week as you guys get ready for that matchup? It's been great practices. It's been a lot of fun preparing for them. Um, like you said earlier, it's an amazing opportunity for us to go into their place to play a nationally ranked team. Um, and so we're, we're really excited. Practice has been really good. Saw a picture of you on social media on New Year's Eve after that big win against <laughs> LMU with uh, Nick Emery and TJ Haas. And, uh, and you're hanging out there. What, what was the New Year's Eve party like for you guys after that <laughs> LMU game? It was fun. That was a, it's definitely a more fun trip coming back after a win like that. Um, but we were just talking on the bus, figured we'd hang out that night and had a, had a good New Year's Eve. It was fun. You go down 18 and you still win. I mean, it's, that's the biggest comeback for a win since the Iona game in 2012, which was an NCAA record yeah. right? Um, in the tourney. So what, what was it like to, one, get down 18, but two, then climb out of that and get that victory? I think last year we had a similar situation in their place. If you remember, we got down in the first half. We went into halftime and we knew if we played our game that we could do it. Um, obviously, there was a ton of players that played really well, hit some big shots, some big defensive stops. I think we ended the game on an 11-0 run, if I'm not mistaken. And so it took a team effort to do that. But I don't think that we were ever really phased by being 18 down. We knew we could do it. We just had to play our game. The reactions on the bench when T.J. Haas hit the go-ahead three were pretty funny, including yourself. Now, Peyton Dastrup, he, he knows where the camera is. Now, now you, I, I don't know. I think that was more a natural reaction. If I recall, you went like from standing straight up all the way down to your knees or something um, in excitement. Was that natural versus Peyton's kind of scripted, rehearsed yeah. reactions? Well, we hopped on the plane and someone showed it to me. I was dying laughing. And then the following day on Monday, uh, Terry brought it up for film. And stuff, and so we we all get a good, got a good laugh out of it. But yeah, I was just in the moment, was pumped out of my mind, and started head banging or whatever I was doing. I don't know what happened. Is it, is it hard because um, you're in the huddle? You know the play's coming. Yeah, you're hoping it goes in, but then when it goes in, it's kind of different, right? Oh yeah, especially in a moment like that when TJ hits such a big shot, fading away, putting us up like that. So yeah, emotions were going. It was fun. Braden Shaw with us, sophomore forward for BYU basketball as the Cougars prepare for St. Mary's on the road to face the Gales in Moraga tomorrow. St. Mary's essentially has the same team as they did last year. They're in the top 25. They've lost once, obviously playing really well. Uh, How do you feel like you match up with St. Mary's this year compared to last year? Um, I think the guys, like you said, it's basically the same team. And so it's nice on that aspect where some of us have played them before. Um, I think we just have to go in there and play our game, though. We can't let them dictate our game. We have to go in and attack them from the very beginning. Obviously, we can't have a 18-down first half again. And so, But I think if we go in there and play our game, we match up pretty well against them. I think it's a good opportunity for us to go in there. Why are they so much better than last year? I mean, with essentially the same group. Like, What do you, what do you see from them that you're like, oh, that's the difference? <laughs> Great question. I think they have the players and the system. It really is a good program that they have going. Um, they all stick to a system. The coach has them running their stuff. When, when he wants them to run it, they stick to it. And so I think a team sticking together for two years inside of a system like that, naturally they're going to get better. Um, last year they were a young team. This year they're a little bit older. And I think it's kind of the same thing for us. We're starting to see our growth in our team since we are a young team. And we got another two, three years of this. So it'll be good. It's like frustratingly simple. Would you rather defend a complex defense where you're like, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, or St. Mary's, which seems to be pretty simple, get the ball in Landale or screen and roll at the top of the key? Uh, man, it's, it's how you prepare is completely different. I don't know which one I'd rather do. Um, 
but you just prepare differently and approach the game differently. Our good friend uh, Jeff Johnston, uh, a big contributor to BYU Sports Nation on Twitter, sent out a funny gif of uh, what he thought Dave Rose's halftime speech was like against LMU, and it was the snake from Robin Hood, the Disney cartoon with the, the twirling eyes. What, what did Dave Rose <laughs> say to the team at halftime to inspire that type of a comeback and uh, motivate the team to hopefully get you on a good run moving forward? Um, I think it was his confidence he instilled in us. Um, he came in there, and we were all one in that halftime thing. We knew what we did wrong in the first half. We gave up some easy points. We made some mistakes that we shouldn't have made. We gave him some second-chance points with offensive boards, and so we pointed out what we needed to do better. He pointed out what we needed to keep doing and just put together the perfect plan so that we could come back from that win. Whatever it was, it worked. It worked, man. It, it worked. worked. And I feel like uh, it's it's only natural to have a ton of confidence coming off a win like that. You get St. Mary's next. Good luck against the Gales. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to take with you to Moraga. <laughs> there we go. And uh, go up there and dominate, man. Will do. All right, Braden. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Our Twitter question today, which BYU player will have the greatest impact on the outcome of the game at St. Mary's? At Nickley51 says, Haas, Mika will get his. It will be what happens on the outside that determines if BYU stays in this game. Up next, BYU-St. Mary's from the women's side. Mackenzie Pulsifer joins us. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. If you happen to miss an episode of BYUSN Live, then watch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern or download the podcast or do one of 17 other things to consume the show. Absolutely. And uh, tomorrow night, big game for the ladies, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time, BYU against St. Mary's. On BYU TV, this is an important conference game, especially because Gonzaga lost its first two games in league. The league is wide open. Joining us now, one of three, excuse me, four key seniors on this BYU women's basketball team, Mackenzie Pulsifer, part of a power couple within BYU sports and a three-time 5A Player of the Year from Alta High School. Mackenzie, welcome back to Studio B. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, you're, are you aware of the, this whole power couple discussion, uh, meaning that the man and the woman in the relationship are both BYU athletes? You know athletes? what a power couple is? <laughs> I've heard of it, but I did not know. I was a part. I was not aware. Well, you, you, you've got to be Wyatt in the discussion Wards, now, right? The Wyatt Awards last year, we discussed this. Do you remember? Um, you a little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Adam Pulsifer, linebacker for BYU football, and Mackenzie Pulsifer, the sharpshooter for women's basketball. <laughs> pretty good. That is pretty good, right? Pretty good. We'll figure out the power rankings for the power okay. couples okay. a little bit later on. Yeah, okay. Not today. More importantly, you bounce back after a tough loss to open conference play, and you do so in convincing fashion, beating LMU by 17, and you had one of your better games of the season. What did you notice that was different about the win compared to that disappointing season opening or conference opening loss? Uh, this game was just different in general because we needed to win. We had to kind of have a chip on our shoulder from our last loss, losing to Santa Clara by one. Um, I think more than anything, we had something to prove as a team, come together and prove that. But we played as a team a lot better that game, moved the ball. And if you could kind of pull clips from that that game, that there is multiple examples of what Juddy's motion offense is about and so that was just a big success there and um and I think just everyone just did their job everyone did their part and collectively it was 
came out with a really good result. So I think it was just good team basketball um, that led us to that victory. Now you have a big game with St. Mary's coming up tomorrow night. And this is kind of a rivalry. Um, mm-hmm. It's always a big game in conference. So what does this game mean for your team in game three of the league? This game this game will be huge just because, like you said, Gonzaga losing their first two. Uh, it's kind of wide open right now. So um, just taking this and running with it would be the best thing that we could do. Um, and St. Mary's is is definitely one of those teams up there just because of their physicalness. Um, that's something that, you know, is just really focused on when we play this team is how physical they are and and uh, we have to come out ready to play because, you know, if they're more physical, they're going to win. That's just kind of how I think any game is, is, you know, whoever's more physical and wants that. So, um, yeah, this game this game's important for us. It's just a good momentum game. It's a good victory that we need to add to the schedule. So. Our Twitter question focusing on the BYU-St. Mary's matchup on the men's side, so let's throw in the curveball here and ask you today's Twitter question, but for the women, which BYU player will have the greatest impact on the outcome of the game against St. Mary's at the Marriott Center on Thursday night? I think, I mean, that's a tough tough toss-up there um, between Kalani and Cassie, but I think Cassie will be a huge impact player for us only because she's an aggressive you know, attacker, and I think that her mentality um, sets a great tone for our team. It sets a great tone for the other team. Um, So I think her doing what she's been doing this whole season and uh, having the team follow in her footsteps, I think that that, that's the impact that we need and that I'm hoping that we'll have from her. Um, And obviously Kalani is just always an impact player, but uh, yeah, that's what I would say for this game. We need we need her mentality to run through everybody's veins that mm. game. You left off the second leading scorer on the team there. <laughs> you. <laughs> and and top perimeter defender. Oh. Okay, I'll 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 join in there then. Okay. <laughs> I noticed that uh you, Cassie Broadhead and Kalani Purcell have shot within sixteen shots of each other on the entire season. Um so you all are have some kind of balance from the field. Is yeah. that uh, by design, or that just happened? It just happens. I don't know. That's I, I don't know why or how. Um, and the funny thing is, is that it's never, you know, it never matters. It just kind of it just happens. And I think I think that's what makes this team fun and um, kind of has had some up and downs. Kind of finding a way to mold and mesh. And you know, games that we've lost, we haven't had that kind of trio thing going on. Um, but when we do, I think that's when we're at our best. And so um, it doesn't really happen by design, but it needs to happen. <laughs> if we could design it that way, that would be really great. But I just think that comes with each of us doing our part, um, being effective, and it kind of just happens on its own. So, How is life different as one of the four seniors on the team? Uh, <laughs> there's a little more pressure just because expectation levels are higher. Uh, I've had numerous talks with Juddy and it's you know my roles changed from in the past I was playing with Lexi and it was if I got my shot if I got my points it was kind of a pat on the back extra bonus you know um but now it's looked at as you know you need to do this you need to do that and you can't afford to not and as a senior there's certain things that they expect us to do 
and not make mistakes on that maybe a freshman might. Uh, so those expectations, you just have to be aware of them and know what they want from you because if you don't do what they want, then you can have some unhappy coaches. <laughs> <gasps> Mackenzie, <laughs> you got to play. You're senior. Uh, what, what's your favorite Juddyism this season? Okay, this is already on my head. Um, He's having a problem saying names. We already know that's we already know that's a problem, but it's really bad because he cannot say Cassie. It's Kathy, <laughs> Kathy, and he'll be in a serious conversation in the middle of practice and say, "Kathy, you need to do this." And Everyone's we just like, no Kathy? one can just keep a straight face. And then finally, he'll he kind of loosens up and he's like, "Oh, okay, oh, Cassie, Cassie," and just kind of. <laughs> but it's happened probably six, seven times. Happens at least once a day. Wow, Kathy. <laughs> so Kathy Broadhead. That's awesome. I didn't know if she knew she was changing the name this year. <laughs> yeah, Cassie and Kathy are both really good. They are. <laughs> That's funny. Well, anyway, I want to know what your name is. Like when he messes up your name, what does he? What does he mess up your name? He uh, he usually says McKenz, or he'll try to say Pulsifer. That's really hard for him, so he just sticks with Morrison. But yeah, so I, I mean, I think a lot of people he has a hard time changing their name because he's used to them. Yeah. But I really just don't think he can say Pulsifer very well. 